3: Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis,
4: the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Kotz. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I explore the life and career of American songwriter Towns Van Zant with his disciple Steve Earle. Plus, we'll review the new albums from The Black-Eyed Peas and Phoenix.
3: Support for Sound Opinions is provided by founding sponsor Alltech Lansing and their new Octave Air speaker system. A wireless 80-watt wall of sound for your iPod. Details available at alltechlansing.com.
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news.
3: Remember the 90s, Greg? That was a uh, a brief hit back then <laughs> in the alt era by the Lemonheads, Evan Dando's band, Power Pop Band, It's a Shame About Ray. This from the uh, Los Angeles Times. It's pretty funny. Dando, I think, is one of the most troubled figures out of the alternative era when it comes to shooting himself in the foot consistently. He had more... Chances at the brass ring yeah. that he blew through drug abuse, through just boneheadedness, has not been heard of in some years, but is gearing up to put an album out. He thinks that General Motors has ripped off his song, It's a Shame About Ray, the one song people know from the Lemonheads, if they know them at all, and uh, used it in two car commercials. So he sued in a court in Los Angeles uh, recently, General Motors. It's like, hey, Evan, have have <laughs> you heard? General Motors is having some trouble, man. They're in <laughs> bankruptcy. It's like not a good idea necessarily to go after this American car company at this time, especially because, and we love these stories, right, when Tom Waits sued Frito-Lay and won, especially because as far as I can tell, this doesn't really sound like it's a shame about me. No, no, it doesn't. Listen to the commercial.
4: Everyone likes to hunt for a bargain. So this Memorial Day, we've quietly placed specially marked Chevys on our lots. You might have to look hard to find them.
3: I don't know. Does that sound like Dando or not? You decide if you were on the jury, are you pro-Evan or not. Hey, everybody.
0: <laughs> Let's have some fun. You only little once and when dead, you dare, you do let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. Don't tell you you're the know. Get together,
4: let the good times roll. That is Coco Taylor with her version of Let the Good Times Roll. Uh You get a sense of Coco Taylor as a live performer in that brief snippet, she was one of the most commanding performers in Chicago blues for the last half century. She is now dead at the age of 80. Born Cora Walton in Tennessee in 1928, grew up on a sharecropper's farm, lost both parents by the time she was 11. She was that last generation of blues performers, Jim, who actually had deep connections to the South and was part of that diaspora that came up north to look for jobs uh, around World War II. She came up in the early 50s, soon after World War II was over, with her future husband, Pops Taylor. They both got jobs in Chicago. Uh, She was never looking particularly to be a performer. She sang in the gospel church. And I think there was a couple of reasons for this. One, she didn't have a lot of confidence in herself as a singer and there was this whole sense of this was a man's world. It was very tough for a woman to break into blues at that time and certainly the Chicago blues scene which was dominated by these towering uh, male figures well, like Muddy Waters and uh, Howlin' Wolf. Well, Coco was a tough broad.
3: Yeah. And I mean that
4: as the finest compliment. But I got to say every time I was in her presence, she scared me. Yeah, she she could blow the doors down and I think part of it was that, you know, that bravado and that brassiness in her voice was her way of saying, I can do it as well as any guy can. Willie Dixon approached her in the early 60s and said, listen, you, we need your voice out there. I've heard you sing. You could be great. And he handed her this song, Wang Dang Doodle, that became her signature. It was a huge hit in 1965, launched her career on chess records. In the early 70s, she signed with a fledgling label known as Alligator Records in Chicago, owned by Bruce Iglauer. And they started a uh, a beautiful partnership that uh, lasted for the next several decades, made a string of classic blues records for Alligator, really defining that Chicago blues sound, won 29 WC Handy Awards down in Memphis, the most any performer has ever won, basically the blues equivalent of the Grammy. She was far and away the most lauded performer of her time. So... We celebrate Coco Taylor for a number of reasons, defining the Chicago blues sound and breaking down a lot of barriers for women in the blues. Without her, there would be very few women blues performers. Today, people like Shamika Copeland, Susan Tedeschi, Marsha Ball, they owe all a debt to the groundwork laid by Coco Taylor. Best way we can pay tribute to the late Coco Taylor is to play one of her songs. I think she's most celebrated for that up-tempo stuff like Wang Dang Doodle, but I'd like to uh, play a song that I think illustrates the fact that she was a much more nuanced performer than perhaps she was given credit for. She does a terrific version of the Etta James song, I'd Rather Go Blind, and here it is on Sound Opinions. Coco Taylor on Sound Opinions with her version of I'd Rather Go Blind, the classic Etta James song, Coco Taylor dead at the age of 80 years old. I'm going
1: down on highway, listen to them big
3: That is Steve Earle on Sound Opinions, performing his version of White Freightliner Blues by the great Towns Van Zandt. Earle is a friend of Sound Opinions. He's been on the show before, one of the uh, best singers and songwriters in America today. This time, though, when Steve came by the Jim and K-Maybe studio, we wanted to focus on a man he considers his mentor, Towns Van Zandt. And Earle is not alone in that. Lucinda Williams, Guy Clark. There was a whole circle of people in that Austin singer-songwriter scene who looked up to Towns Van Zandt. He was a Texan by birth, but traveled all over the country, Minnesota, Colorado, But really a Texan by spirit, that Mm -hmm. unique Texas spirit that Joe Nick Petoskey was talking about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Willie Nelson. Well, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard had a number one hit covering Towns Van Zandt with his best-known song, Poncho and Lefty. But Towns left a rich legacy of tunes. It may not be a household word for many people who aren't music geeks, but he's the kind of singer and songwriter that other singer and songwriters looked up to and admired and wanted to be except for the part where he drank himself to death. Anyway, we thought it would be nice to uh, look at Towns Van Zant's legacy as a singer and a songwriter and to talk to Steve Earle about that and hear some of uh, the new versions of Van Zant songs that he's performed on his new album Towns.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DiRogatis, and we're in the Jim and K Maybe studio with uh, Steve Earle, a man who's written a few pretty great songs in his lifetime. But his latest album is devoted completely to the music of another person, Towns Van Zandt. It's called Towns. I think if people think about Towns Van Zandt casually, anyway, they know two things about him the guy who wrote Poncho and Lefty, right. which was a number one country hit for Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, and that he died tragically at age 52. Destitute in in terms of just his personal health, uh, heroin addict, alcoholism, manic depressive, uh, and yet he was your friend, hero, and uh, in many ways, one of you, maybe the reason you you you're playing music today, right, Steve?
5: Yeah, I mean he's absolutely. Uh, I don't know how much all the diagnoses have to do with it. I mean, I like anybody else, you know. Probably when I first met Towns, uh, there was a lot about his behavior that I found intriguing, like everybody else did, and but I, you know, I. Fairly quickly, I learned to separate all that stuff, and 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 for me, it became about. I became fairly obvious I was witnessing somebody that was making art at this really incredibly high level, and he wasn't making any money, and he and it didn't make any difference. He was he wasn't doing it for money.
3: Well, you you were here in Chicago uh, a couple of years back. You taught a songwriting class at the right. Old Town School of Folk Music. This album Towns has been in the work. Uh, for for ten or fifteen years, it's something you wanted to do for a long time. We figured we'd get a bit of a master class here on Sound Opinions, <laughs> well, because on, you once famously said, and this is this is probably the single most repeated Steve Earle quote: "Towns Van Zandt's best songwriter in the whole world." And I'll stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table in my cowboy boots and say that. Yeah, I did that. I said it for it was a blurb. Yeah, and, a hyperbole is forgiven. Yeah, 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 well, no, I
5: mean it was one of those things. That and, and do I think and did I think then that Towns was a better songwriter than Bob Dylan? No, but did I think he deserved to be mentioned in the same breath? Yes, and so did and does Bob Dylan. It's one of those things that Bob's never had any trouble letting people know, you know, how good he was. And yeah. and Towns did, and, and not because he doubted himself as an artist. I don't believe that's what the problem was. I mean, I don't know, but the the problem seemed to be what his idea of what he deserved as a human being. And I don't know why he sabotaged himself but he did constantly
4: mm. well let's uh you said you know best thing to do is to hear the music um how about a town song let's, yeah well uh, this is
5: like a I i recorded this the first thing i recorded and it's like the first day in jail you go out and find the biggest guy on the yard you knock him out and then you get to keep your radio so. <laughs>
1: Living on the road, my friend I was gonna keep you free and clean Now you wear your skin like iron Your breath's as hard as kerosene Weren't your mama's only boy oh, But a baby one seems as She began to cry when we said goodbye to your dreams Poncho's a bandit horses as much as fast as polished steel always a gun outside his pants for all the honest world to feel Pontoone's that you know on the desert down in Mexico Nobody heard his dying words. And that's the way it goes. How the better I say. I could hate him any day. But only let him hang around. And a kindness, I suppose. Dick can't sing the blues All night long like he used to The dust, the poncho bit down south Ended up and left his mouth The deadly poor poncho low and Left his Nobody knows How the fairy say I could hate him any day I only let him slip away I kindness I suppose Poets I how you fell left us living in a cheap hotel the desert's quiet and cleveland's cold so the story ends we're told want to meet your presence true but save a few left it too he only did what he had to of the faith.
3: song poncho and lefty by the great towns van zant by his uh one of his his many uh students <laughs> steve Earle. oh no you, we were cult members you've called him a schoolmaster yeah, and, well, and no, you said no he was a cult it,
5: but we literally were me guy clark you know listen to williams you know we were members of a cult mm. the towns van zant at the center is not any doubt about that
3: <laughs> so so sitting at, at his feet did you ever get an insight into where that song came from how he wrote that song well i'm he got so tired
5: of people asking him who the song was about, you know, or even being as forward as saying, so that that's like about uh Pancho B and Lefty Frizzell, right? Which is, you know, kind of <laughs> stupid as soon as you say it, but and he, he would, it, they're about him. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're all, he's Pancho and Lefty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think more than any other artist I've ever run across, Towns' art was about him. And normally, you know, it sounds like it would be an incredibly self-centered thing to do, but every once in a while you run across somebody that's so good that they can look constantly inward at themselves, and what comes out naturally is the, the part of their impression of themselves that we have, that all the rest of us relate to, which is what art's about. You know, you can only they say you can only write about what you know, but you have to write about the part of your experience that you. It's about the it's about the similarities. It's about the common experience. I got a brand new.
3: coming up next on sound opinions from chicago public radio and american public media we continue our discussion about towns van zandt with steve Earle, and later on greg and i'll review the new albums from the black eyed peas and phoenix
1: the breathing Chases them Howling bottles of
0: wine
1: She fits just like my guitar She's near as tall She like my guitar Miss tall as me She lives way out on the D train But she's Texas as can be
4: back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We're going to continue our look at the life and legacy of Towns Van Zandt with guest Steve Earle. Steve recently paid tribute to Towns Van Zandt by recording an album of his songs. So I asked him why he believes Van Zandt's songwriting is so unique.
1: just dreaming got no in the pretty good
4: one of the premises that uh, you talked about when you when you did your songwriting class in Old Town and, and, and other places that I've heard you say this something along the lines of you know mediocre songwriters borrow great songwriters steal yeah and but with with Towns um, you made the case I've heard you make the case that he was a an original he was he,
5: his his body of work it's based I mean he's he was a folk singer so. You know, there were parts of his guitar playing and parts of the way he did things. He wrote talking blues, and, you know, he wrote them as a study. He wrote them, you know, to practice doing it. He, one time I was, I was talking to him about, about um, you know, like where he got a verse for cocaine blues, and he said, he wouldn't tell me, but, but he asked me to go get a guitar, and we sat and we made up verses for cocaine blues for, like, two hours.
2: Cocaine, cocaine. Round my heart and running round my brain, cocaine, all you old cocaine. I woke up this morning, Lord, I had a hunger pain, and all I want for breakfast is my good cocaine, cocaine. Cocaine.
5: And he said, that's all it's about, it's about making them up, it doesn't matter how they turn out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just about preserving that, you know, that tradition. But he did come up with stuff. Poncho and Lefty is like sort of hard, you know, when you take that musically and take it apart. and what does that sound like? I mean, it doesn't sound like any other country song I've ever heard musically. Um, But Towns was, he was a blues singer, and and he was that on a cellular level. I really do believe that. I mean, what what Towns and Guy and um, myself and a, you know, a shrinking number of people, unfortunately, have in common. As we got to Houston in time, and we all saw Matt Slipscomb and Lightnin Hopkins in the same room at the same time
4: on more than one occasion. Wow, that's you cool.
5: In Towns' case, I think Lightning was actually paying attention to what Towns was doing.
4: And the other influence I recall you mentioning uh, on Towns was Robert Frost.
5: Yeah, well, no, that was what Towns was saying when asked the, the question that every journalist, unfortunately, asks every artist uh is uh, what are your biggest influences? Yeah, it's like that's the lead in. It's like towns would say Robert Frost and Langdon Hopkins, and they'd think it was a joke, but it really wasn't. Yeah. It was serious. It's a big difference, I think, if you want to try to if you want to analyze a difference between Bob Dylan and and towns and the way they approach it. Dylan it was into you know French modernist poets and the Beats, and towns was into that too but he also was really fascinated and really you know took what he did lyrically more from more conventional late 19th century and early 20th century and on up into mid 20th century you know lyrical poets you know lyric Mm. poets like Robert Frost and even Carl Sandburg and he 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 just approached it that way It, it was a more it was a little more American in some ways. It was just, uh, it was just for some reason that's what that's what spoke to him. And he also was way, way, way into Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of was one of those people that sort of, kind of thought iambic pentameter in the first place.
4: So you got this super literary guy, pretty good guitar player. Uh, he was a great
5: guitar player, and I, I think that a lot of what this record's about for me is he. Most people did not see it. Towns unfortunately found. A much larger larger audience in the '90s than he ever found in the late '60s and early '70s when he was making, you know, the records that most of the songs on this on this record of mine came from. And I gravitate towards those songs because it's the songs that he played when I met him,
4: you know, mm-hmm. when he made the biggest impression on me. Uh, you talk about the survivor guilt, and you know, it, it, it's it's it, it's got to be a tough place to be. Your life and Towns' life were in many ways uh, parallel in terms of just the personal issues that you weren't going through and you pulled out of it in the mid 90s. Right. And when you got out of it Towns was still in it. Um there was a, like that 2 year window there where where Towns was still alive and um Right. Did you have any conversations with him at that point about about that? Getting out of it and saying Towns you got no. you got to do this too?
5: No, the closest I ever came that was when I was still using Towns uh, you know you know you're in bad shape when Towns Van Zandt shows you up at your house to give you a temperance lecture and and it <laughs> happened to me I, I people were so worried about me the Towns showed up at, at my house and this was like in 90 92 I guess and I was getting ready to just slip off the face of the earth for several years and uh, I, I pulled up in the driveway it was my my wife had literally uh, gotten me out of a crack house and brought me home and and um I walked in, Towns' car was in the driveway when we pulled up. And uh, Teresa immediately retreated to the bedroom and uh, walked in, and Towns was playing one of my guitars sitting in the living room. God, I never liked the house. And he looked at me and he said, You look like, and he said something I'm not supposed to say on the radio. And he said, <laughs> he said, uh, he said Well, your arms really look bad. And I'm like, I know. And he said, You got clean needles? And I said, Yeah. He said, Every time. And I said, yeah. He said, all right, man, let me play you the song that I wrote. And, um, you know, and he played Marie.
2: Well, I stood in
5: line and
2: left my name. It took about six hours or so. The man, just grinned like it was all a game. Said they'd let me know. But in my time till the Pocono line shut down two years ago I was living at the mission till I met Marie I can't stay there no more
5: the last time I saw Towns in, in person was the night the Bluebird cafe record was recorded which was in 95 and you know he was dead you know a year and a half later Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked on the phone a couple of times after that, but it was the last time I, you know, I saw him. It was the last time, Guy and Towns and I were all in the same room at the same time. And Guy that, Clark, yeah, yeah. The way I live and the reason I'm still here is twelve step programs. It's still I go to meetings. I call my sponsor. I do all that stuff. He he wasn't willing to do all that stuff. He knew about that stuff. He'd been he'd go to treatment centers to dry out, you know, but he would always come back out and start drinking again immediately.
3: Well, we've made the case. We want to uh, remember the songs and the art, yeah, and not absolutely. the behavior. Absolutely. Are you going to give us one more, Steve?
5: Yeah, I'm going to... This song is like... I've been play- I've been singing it longer than almost any of them. I almost didn't record it, because Lyle Lovett recorded it a few years ago. And then, but I, I it was one that I just felt really close to, because I've always played it. And it's... Uh, if this song doesn't scare you to death... I didn't exclude the dark songs, that's for sure. This one's there. If this song doesn't scare you to death, then you're over medicated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: won't you live? to me. Mine are collapsing. Plant my feet and bitterly breathe. Up the time is passing. Breath I take, breath I give. Pray the day ain't poison. Stand among the ones that live in lonely indecision. Our fingers walk the darkness down. Mind is on the midnight. Gather up a go, You found your fools on on the moonlight. If you try and take it home, your hands are turned to butter. Better leave this dream alone. Try and find another. One. Salvation sat and crossed the sub and called the devil partner. Wisdom burned upon a ship who killed the raging cancer. Seal the river at its mouth, take the waters prisoner, fill the sky screams and cries, bathing fiery answer.
0: Oh! I
1: and on the sun love is only concept Strangers crying pouring tongues dirty at the doorstep I for one you for two ain't got the time for outside I'll go and do those for you and tell the world we tried to... That's
4: Lung's Towns Van Zandt song covered by Steve Earl on Sound Opinions. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming into Sound Opinions. Thank you.
1: I'm gonna Denver See if I can find I'm gonna Denver
4: Well, we've just heard Steve Earle perform some of Towns' songs and talk a lot about Towns. And it's interesting, Jim, that Towns is often heard about but seldom heard. A lot yep. of people know there was this songwriter, Towns Van Zant. But what did he actually sound like? His his records kind of got lost in the shuffle, as Earl said so eloquently. He shot himself in the foot so many times mm-hmm. that that career never took off. But I think there were a couple of things that stood out for me about Towns Van Zant. One, just a brilliant guitarist and vocalist. I think he was a very underrated singer. A lot of his records tend to gussy up uh, his performances with orchestration that he really didn't need. So I prefer his solo live recordings as the place to go when you're looking for Town's Van Zandt. And the other thing is his incredible sense of melody. He would write these tragic lyrics, these, these really dark, sorrowful, death-obsessed lyrics, but at the same time couch him in these beautiful melodies. And it always gave me a sense of empathy coming out of this guy. You sense that he cared about these characters. And in a lot of ways, as Earl said, uh, I think in all of these songs, whether he was writing about a man or a woman or a coal miner, somebody from the 19th century... Towns was really writing about himself in all these songs. And that's what I hear in this song, Tecumseh Valley. I get this image from uh, some Wild West town from, from the 19th century, and he's writing about this woman, Carolyn, who meets, meets this tragic end. But at the same time, I think he's really writing about himself, and he couches it in this just uh, gorgeous melody. One of his greatest songs, Tecumseh Valley, from Towns Van Zant on Sound Opinions.
2: Where well, the name she gave was Caroline. Daughter of a minor and her ways were free, and it seemed to me the sunshine walked beside her. She come from Spencer across the hill. Said her pa had sent her Cause the cold was low And soon the snow Would turn the skies to winter Well she said she'd come To look for work She was not seeking favors For a dime a day And a place to stay She turned those hands to labor But the times were hard, Lord And her jobs were few All through Tecumseh Valley But she asked around Till a job she found Tending bar At Gypsy Sally's But well, she saved enough To get back home When spring replaced the winter But her dreams were denied Paul had died
4: Will a word Come down from Spencer that's Tecumseh Valley from Towns Van Zant. Uh, you can find that song on many albums, but I think the place to start if you're looking for Towns Van Zant music is a record called "Live at the Old Quarter in Houston, Texas, uh, from 1973. Greg, we heard Steve
3: Earle cover Poncho and Lefty earlier in the show. People may know the version that went to number one, as I said, by Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson. It's a great version by Emmylou Harris as well. But I thought we ought to hear Towns himself playing his best song. It was released on a 1972 album prophetically called The Late Great Towns Van Zandt. Earl kind of ducked the question when we asked uh, where he thought this song came from. That's when he said mm-hmm. uh, they're all about Towns himself. And, and I can see that. And, and a lot of people think it's really about Pancho Villa. I don't think it's about that at all. I think you have to go back to the period when Towns was writing this song. There had been a couple of influential films just two years earlier in 69, The Wild Bunch by Sam Peckinpah and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. In the midst of the social and political upheaval that was the 60s in this country, there was a reevaluation of what had happened in the West when American imperialism kind of pushed out and took Texas away from the Mexicans and put the Indians, the Native Americans on the reservation. Suddenly, the the people who conquered, quote-unquote, the West or stole it, according to others, were not heroes. They were misfits and losers and kind of noble in a way because they were individuals, but they were pawns in a greater game. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't kind of explain the entire life of this sad alcoholic but brilliant singer and songwriter Towns Van Zandt, I don't know what does. I think listening to Pancho and Lefty with that in mind brings a new dimension to it. And of course, hearing Towns himself sing it in what one great Texas writer described as that dusty sweet voice, I think is a real treat. So here is Towns Van Zandt on Sound Opinions with his version of Pancho and Lefty.
2: living on the road my friend what's gonna keep you free and clean now you wear your skin like iron and your breath's as hard as kerosene you weren't your mama's only boy but her favorite one it seems she began to cry when you said goodbye Sank into your dreams. O well, Pancho was a bandit boy. His horse was fast as polished steel. Wore his gun outside his pants for all the honest world to feel. But Pancho met his match, you know, on the desert down in Mexico. Nobody heard his dying words Oh, but that's the way it goes And all the they say They could have had him any day They only let him hang around
4: Out of kindness, I suppose Poncho and Lefty from Towns Van Zandt, a classic song by a great singer-songwriter. Jim and I are going to be back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with our reviews of new albums from the Black Eyed Peas and Phoenix. But I also want to remind you that everyone's a critic on Sound Opinions, and we need to hear your voice on this show as well. So give us a call, 888-859-1800, and tell us what you think. we
2: got the bread to go all oh, there ain't nobody knows, and all the federals say they coulda had him any day. They only let him slip away out of kindness, I suppose. Well, the poets tell how Poncho fell. Lefty's living in a cheap hotel The desert's quiet and Cleveland's cold So the story ends, we told Poncho needs your prayers, it's true we'll Save a few for Lefty, too He just did what he had to do And now he's growing old
3: Support for sound opinions is provided by founding sponsor Alltech Lansing and their new Octave Air speaker system, a wireless 80 watt wall of sound for your iPod. Details available at alltechlansing.com. Gotta get it. Yeah.
4: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. There's a song you cannot escape. It's been number one for the last four weeks. It's the Black Eyed Peas with Boom Boom Pow from their new album, The End. The Black Eyed Peas have made a little bit of history here, Jim, uh, in case you haven't heard. They have had 12 top 40 hits in a row the most of any artist in this decade uh, surpassing the record set by Backstreet Boys and Nickelback with that particular song uh, they have created their own little niche on the pop charts no other group of the last 10 years is quite as successful as the Black Eyed Peas at charting songs it started in the late 90s with this group. It was a uh, different group back then. The Black Eyed Peas were more of that uh, socially conscious wing of West Coast hip-hop, kind of a refreshing take in a gangster rap-dominated scene. The band morphed again in 2003 with the addition of the vocalist Stacy Ferguson, a.k.a. Fergie, or the uh, Duchess. to the lineup. Yes, the Duchess, let's not forget and with Fergie in the lineup started to produce a string of hit singles like Let's Get It Started in 2003 and My Humps in 2005 who can a forget classic. My Humps right I love My Humps and uh, very much in that tradition with Boom Boom Pow now so the new album the fifth studio album from the Black Eyed Peas is out now we're going to give our review in a minute but let's play a track from it first it's called Party All The Time from the Black Eyed Peas on Sound Opinions Party,
0: all the time. Party. Party,
1: party all the time Yep, that's what I do Mac, models, pop,
0: bottle Live life like a sheep. Party, Monday through Sunday Every day, all the week Hot, I change life in the fast lane Zoom, And the joint don't pop till I walk in the room And the DJ's rocking my favorite tune And it's shaking up the speaker like boom,
3: boom, boom,
0: boom. If we could party all I-
3: That is the Black Eyed Peas with Party All the Time from their new album, The END, which stands, Mr. Codd, for Energy Never Dies. It's an acronym. Thanks for filling the <laughs> filling us in, Jim. Well, you know, I love the Black Eyed Peas. I really do. I was worried about this because main man, uh, musical impresario Will I Am has uh, produced a string of cruddy albums lately. He has not been doing his best work for other artists. I would exclude the Duchess uh, Fergie solo album from that because I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, it must be said that the Black Eyed Peas are, you know, you know what? In the '70s Saturday morning cartoon world, Josie and the Pussycat and the banana splits were, that's yeah. the Black Eyed Peas today. This is a cartoon band. It has two rappers in it, Apple D. App and Taboo, who cannot rap. It has Fergie, who cannot sing, or at least we wouldn't want to hear her sing, without the benefit of autotune. And it has a producer, Will Am, who has never met a musical cliche he has not embraced. With everyone saying autotune is dead, he's got it all over this album. Um, all of that is exactly why they're brilliant. This is, is, is perfect hip-pop bubblegum. It's gleeful. The only time this album drags down is when they get kind of message centric and start talking about the new generation and all the important things we should do. I think that's like a hangover from Will I Am single last year supporting Barack Obama. You know, yes we can. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. We don't need to know how you're voting. Will, <laughs> just give us more of those stupid good time hooks. He delivers them in spades. This is a great summer party album and you're going to rain on the parade. But you
4: are the black cloud at the summer picnic, Mr. Cott. I know it. Oh, my God. See, Jim, I think you can only appreciate this album if you appreciate hearing ripoffs of novelty songs like Macarena and Let the Dogs Out. Who Let the Dogs Out? Well, that's, that's great stuff. <laughs> and those groups went away after one novelty single. Uh, Will I Am has managed to turn that into a career. I mean, five albums strong as i said 12 hit singles in a row that have yeah. cracked the top 40 hugely successful uh, with this formula bubblegum stuff that is uh you know when i think of hip-hop producers in, in the last decade i think about master chefs working in the studio and i think at timbaland at the top of his game uh, timbaland, you know was doing timbaland, these five timbaland. course meals right this guy's doing the microwave snacks i mean it is the lowest common denominator stuff but, like and, you've never had a hot pocket You know, once in a while, it's good. But you're you're talking about an entire album's worth of this stuff. I mean, seriously, you can sit down and listen to this record and not just completely want to throw it against the wall after about two, three songs. No, but you're using. I mean, that song we just heard. You're going to defend
3: that? Yes, I am. You know, you know what that song is. That's an update of "Bad Days" by the Flaming Lips. You have to sleep late when you can, and all your bad days will end. And instead, you know, Fergie is singing, "If we could party all night and sleep all day (laughs) and throw all our problems, problems away, our lives would be easy." I mean, how can you not love that? It's crazy. That's like, I,
4: this, is, this is summer single music. You don't a, have to listen to the whole thing. It's unintentionally funny at times. I, I do like that one line, and I got a feeling where he says, fill up my cup, muzzled off. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> how can you not like this guy? Come on, this is a buy it record. Oh, buy my it, God. Burn it, it, trash it. It's a trash it record. No, you're just, you're cruel.
6: Can
3: A called Phoenix with the song 1901 from their new album, The Fourth of Their Career, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, kind of pretentiously titled. This is a French group, uh, Greg, that is probably best known for the fact that their leader, Thomas Mars, is uh, director Sofia Coppola's baby daddy. Other than that, they've backed the French duo Air in concert several times on different tours. They've collaborated with Daft Punk. They've put out three albums, and while there's been buzz in that kind of Euro-disco, hipster underworld, they've never really delivered on the promise. Now, this album is getting a big push in the U.S., Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, with that song, 1901, and another song we're going to play now called Listomania. Interesting trivial fact. Greg, this is about the Hungarian pianist Franz Liszt, who uh, in the 1800s inspired waves of passionate fan adoration. He was like the Frank Sinatra or the Beatles yeah. or the uh, or the Black Eyed Peas of, of his day <laughs> with people throwing themselves at him on stage. And this song is, I think, kind of pointing out that uh, a good pop craze is timeless no matter what century we're talking about. Here is Phoenix with Listomania on Sound Opinions. We'll come back and rate it on the Buy It, Burn it, Trash It scale.
4: Domania on Sound Opinions from Phoenix and the new album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. Um, Jim, on the first three albums, I think this group was basically figuring out what the formula was going to be, trying to get it just right. A little bit of synth, a little bit of guitar, some of these rave-tastic drums, a little bit of ambient texture. They were, again, I'm going to use the cook analogy here. They were, you know, (laughs) playing around with the ingredients and trying to get it just right. And I don't think they quite got the formula correct on those first three records. On their fourth album, uh, I think they get it just right. What they're striving for here is 10 filler-free pop songs, and I think they finally achieve it with this record. A nice mix of styles. Uh, Some people have called them a disco band. Some people have called them a a new wave band. I think they combine all of those elements in really interesting ways. Even the one track that sort of skirts the formula, this sort of German art rock groove on Love Like a Sunset Part 1. I think is perfectly placed in the record. It's sequenced Mm -hmm. just right. You need a little bit of a breather in the middle. That gives it to you. So I think both as a series of singles and also as a perfectly sequenced pop album, this succeeds totally you know you're talking you're defending black-eyed peas as like you know the pop album of summer no, this is the pop album of summer right but see here. I want them both I want the peas for when I'm frolicking on the <laughs> beach,
3: even though I hate sand and I want you know this album for at night um, you said krautrock for for that song "Love like a Sunset." I actually hear Roxy music circa Avalon yeah yeah uh, mixed in with air they kind of split the difference This is an entrancing and wonderful album that's great start to finish, just like the black-eyed peas an enthusiastic <laughs> buy it. I'm
4: 100% with you on this one, Jim What do we have on the show next week, Mr. Cott? Next week, Jim, we have a fascinating interview with uh, one of the great innovators of our time Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor is going to be in the studio with us as always, Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out.
3: Mary Gaffney recorded uh, Steve Earle's performance for us. Sound Opinions was produced, as always, by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. And our fearless leader and executive producer is Tori Southside Malatia. about whom it is rumored there was a third verse. It was originally Poncho, Lefty, and Tori, but Towns <laughs> cut all that out.
4: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, one 859 1800
0: Messages.
7: Hi, this is Judy from Chicago. I was just calling to say thank you for the disco show that you aired last week. Um, it's about time someone gave some respect to disco and its history and its influence and everything that has come from this quite interesting, creative type of music. Anytime I hear Gloria Gaynor, I start to groan because the first line in what she sings, At first I was afraid... I was petrified. I know. In three seconds, I will be belting out praises to Gloria Gaynor and telling her, yes, lady, I will survive. You just can't help but being, like, moved by it. And so, once again, I just want to say thanks. I had a great time dancing and listening to the show. You guys are doing great. Thanks.
6: Hi, my name is Susan. I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I just listened to your show about disco music with great anticipation, and I truly enjoyed it. And I want to thank you for acknowledging that it was the gay community as one of the fringe communities that helped the genre soar. Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive was the anthem of a generation. I still blast it and sing along when I hear it as I drive. Once again, I really enjoyed your show. Thank you very much. Bye. Uh,
7: hi, guys. This is Chris calling from Boston, Mass., uh, and I just listened to your podcast where you felt the need to defend disco. Um Disco seems alive and well these days. Uh, you spend a lot of time covering all these new New Waivers and uh, all these dance groups that center their sound around uh, loops on their laptops. And, I mean, I for one am, am sick of it. I'm sick of watching people set up their MacBooks before a show. And I'm sick of uh, these new New Waivers smirking over their microphones at me while they yip and yap and uh, you know, the, the ironic falsetto. So, um, you know... Somebody's got to say something. Somebody's got to call shenanigans on you guys. Uh, let's bring back the Disco Sucks t-shirts. Um, and let's not forget the Minuteman who asked the immortal question, do you want new wave or do you want the truth? Um, and I don't know that I'm ready for the truth, but I'm uh, sick of the disco and the new wave. Um, love the show. Love you guys. Hope it works. work. A word war will set off the keg. My words are war. Should a word have two meanings? For should words serve the truth. Hi
0: Jim and Greg, this is Shala from Oakland. I'm a new but big
7: fan of your show. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated your show on disco. I love the way you elevated it and redeemed it and showed how influential it was, and I especially love the samples you chose, especially Shame, 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 and I Feel Love. Thanks again. Keep up the fabulous work.